Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey, and hi, Jim. Hey, Squirrel, good to see you again. Nice to, to see and hear you again. So um, uh, listeners of this podcast may not be aware that I had for a long time a another podcast with Jim. So uh, we have uh, both our podcast co-hosts, uh, both Squirrel's podcast co-hosts together. <laughs> hi, guys. Yes. <laughs> hi, Squirrel. Hi, how are you? And uh, we're, we've got Jim on for uh, uh, a very exciting reason, which is that the, the topic of our podcast was always, uh, how, how do you innovate in both large and small companies? And uh, Jim has written a book coming out later this month on innovation in large companies, which is very interesting, I know, to lots of our listeners. So congratulations, Jim. Do you want to tell us just a little bit what's, what's the book called, when it's coming, uh, what's in it? Sure. Uh, so the book is called Lean Startup in Large Organizations, and it's subtitled Overcoming Resistance to Innovation. So let me just make sure I got that right. So so it's about lean startup in large organizations. So is this about gigantic startups? No, it's about uh, making the principles of lean startup work in an organizational context that's uh, you know a large uh, organization that tends to be... Uh, have its other priorities that can make diff innovation difficult. That's basically oh, yeah. the focus. Okay. I've been talking to lots of folks who have that challenge. What's in the book? If somebody's having that kind of difficulty, what would they find in your book? So the, the first thing I'd say is that in my experience, the and I've done innovation in different contexts for uh, decades now, the thing that works best for new business innovation is lean startup. There are six principles or seven, depending on how you count, of uh, how you learn and what you learn and the techniques for doing it. And it's been used very successfully in smaller companies. And, uh, and there's a lot of information about track records using it with the uh, um, government-funded uh, research in the United States and how, that, how people have taken technical successes and moved them toward new businesses. So it came out of the startup world and people in large companies have tried to adopt the same practices because they see startups moving much faster, uh, moving with more agility, getting to customers quicker. And the question is, why can't we do that? We've got resources, we've got people, we've got opportunity too. And the reason is that the very principles that lead to success with the innovation induce antibodies inside the corporation. They create threats and fears and anxieties and some of these are very legitimate fears. And what my book is about is trying to help you understand that, practice lean startup, understand the resistances that you'll get, and uh, manage in a, in a constructive way uh, to minimize the fears and, and make progress. Wow, I love the idea of antibodies. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I was interested. You know, looking at the, the book, Jim, it looks like it's I see it almost as a third in a trilogy here. Which, if you go back to, um, you know, the, the, this would be the, the the third, the second book would be Eric Reese's Lean Startup uh, book, uh, which you're it seems like you're you're continuing that now in, into that sort of large organization. And and of course, uh, Eric's book was uh, like an application of Steve Blink's uh, uh, Four Steps to the Epiphany. Uh, yes, uh, uh, is, is that a fair? Uh, uh... Yeah, that's very fair. And and also Alex Osterwalder introduced the business model canvas, which became a part of that. But Steve Blank, I think, really started it. Uh, Alan, I mean, uh, Eric Reese was actually one of his students. I got to interview all three of those guys on the way to doing this book. So I'm building on top of what they've done. 
they've also, I think, run into challenges as they've tried to make this work inside large companies. Steve Blank said to me his first aha was that a startup isn't just a little version of a big business, that you need to manage it in an entirely different way. And that's where many of the principles of customer discovery and lean startup came from. Uh, and then his second big aha was, yeah, but doing lean startup in the corporate context isn't the same at all as doing lean startup as a, uh, you know, de novo, if you want to call it that. Right. So he and I talked about that and his view as well was we haven't really figured it out. Now, all I can say is by building on the work of other people, I think I was able to make it work, at least in one corporate context and you know, in consulting with a few uh, other companies. But it's, uh, you know, it's sort of carefully taking what works, understanding what doesn't. And then my view is, you know, people are resistant, not because they're resistant personalities, but because there's something that's actually a legitimate concern that they have. Until you listen to that and address it, they're going to be concerned about lean startup. Which, which I think is great. And it works really well for, I think, Squirrel, what you and I talk about all the time, which is about you know, uh, getting other people's points of view and, uh, you know, that, that both people are seeing real truths and you're looking to, uh, not to, to, to dominate one or the other, but to bring what everyone knows together. Shocking idea that if you jointly design, you might get new ideas and that you might actually change your mind. J Jim, I'm not sure all our listeners will know the principles of lean startup. We don't need to read them all out, but could you give us maybe an example or a, a picture of what is a lean startup model and then maybe say a bit about how you've modified that? How would that work in a large organization? Okay, sure. So so lean startup, I, I break it into sort of two uh, two and a half uh, groups of principles, if you want. The first is sort of how you learn. And it's essentially based on what they call the lean learning loop. Other people would just call it a business experiment. You start with a hypothesis about something you don't know about the business that you need to know. It's vital to its success. You design some sort of prototype to use to learn in, uh, from customers or the world, whether it's your channel or your suppliers. You do the experiment, you learn, and you either pivot or persist. So one principle is the lean learning loop, and a paired principle is uh, the pivot or persist decision. You go out in the world, you learn something in a very focused way, you listen to what you learned, and then you either change the prototype, uh, you know, change the offering, change the, um, the channel, change some aspect of the business model. So it's a learning process. And essential to that is some sort of prototype, which could be, in the lean startup, it's a minimum viable product. It's a product that can be used by some subset of the market to solve a meaningful enough pro problem to be worth using. In the practice that I've done, especially in physical product companies, it's a minimum viable prototype. It's something that you use to learn some targeted thing, whether that's, could we sell this through this channel or is there enough supply at the right price of this raw material or do the customers or would the customers be willing to pay at a given price? It's more targeted, but it's all in the same thing. There's the three first three are lean learning loop, pivot or persist and the minimum viable product. So that's how you learn. Yeah. And it sounds like that would be obvious for large organizations that they would want to do those things. So, so what stops them? What are the anti antibodies? 
So in the, and that uh, uh, piece of lean learning of the uh, lean startup, the main fear is a fear of chaos. You know, you're just you're gonna let. It's the same fear I think people have with agile product development as well. Unless if you're used to a world where you start with what I would call uh, successive refinement, you know what the concept is, you do the uh, the high level design, the detailed design, the implementation, the testing, and so forth. Everywhere along the line, you're taking something you know you want and you're 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 refining it until you have the final product and you know where you're starting and you know where you're ending and you can measure against that in lean startup you have an idea these are the customers we want to meet and this is the need we think we see and then you're iterating uh, and to people that can seem very chaotic when do I get to uh, weigh in where are you going to end up is it somewhere I want to go is this going to go on forever or is it not going to go on forever? So there are fears of chaos. And one way, a way that worked for me in, uh, and, I, and I would advocate, is to have uh, an, a, a sort of a hybrid innovation stage gate. So at each stage, you're, uh, you're doing experiments, it's chaotic, but between them, you have a clear deliverable that can be reviewed by people in a corporate setting, and it, it gives a sense that this is not uncontrolled. So the first thing you review is the customer value proposition. Did we find something that customers really want? Do we have a, a need in the marketplace? Are the, is there a willingness to pay? Who is the customer? That type of thing. The second is the business model. You look at alternative business models, take the risks out of them, and you end up with a validated business model. You're not in market yet. You haven't, you're not selling to real customers, but you're what I call with market. You're, uh, you're doing experiments with real customers, not in your office. And then the final is the incubation stage where you're learning, does it work in the real world? Does it deliver the profit I expect? Does it deliver uh, what customers expected? Are they buying it? And if it's successful, how do I scale it? So those are, uh, and in fact, those three gates are the, the next three principles of Lean Startup. The value hypothesis, the business hypothesis, and the growth hypothesis. So you sort of unravel the Lean Startup uh, and you hypotheses, and you do them in a sort of sequence. And within each one, it's, uh, you know, it's very experimental. What I like is how you combine these uh, elements <clears throat> of here's what we're trying to do but here's what our context of the large organization makes difficult. You know, that, that the source of resistance is, is coming from things that make sense. And in, you, you talked about here how the uh, iterative approach, which, you know, probably seems quite natural to people in small companies where you don't yet have a business, where you know that you're out there, you know, trying to find product market fit. That, that probably seems pretty normal. But in the context of a company that has established product lines and are used to saying, you know, uh, we've talked to our clients, we know if we if we build these features, we're going to get this change in revenue, you know, that we're able to go plan out. We have a roadmap for the next, you know, uh, 6, 12, 18 months of exactly what we're going to deliver because we've essentially contracted with our clients about what they want. Very well planned uh, uh, and, and easy, you know, uh, 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 systematic approach, this idea that we're not sure what the result is going to be of months of work feels like 
as you said, it feels like, well, why, why would you even go there? What? <laughs> right. Right. And the reason you would go there is because, you know, there, there are uh, limits to what you can do to take your existing product line and just keep making it better. Uh, you know, as, as Clay Christensen uh, showed, at some point, the product is as good as customers want it to be. Yeah. You could still make it better, but they're just not going to pay you for it. So companies, and I think this happens... Uh, I worked in the tire industry for a while. Um, I think it happens in that industry. People keep making better tires, but we've gotten to the point that most people are pretty satisfied with a wide range of, uh, of capabilities that are brought there. And that's especially true because people are less concerned about breakdowns because they just have cell phones. <laughs> so the world has changed. If you've got an organization that's you know heavily oriented around getting better and better, along traditional vectors of competition, you can do it and you can predict it and you can, you can win awards for the, uh, but you may be missing, you know, winning the battle and, and missing the opportunity. Right. And Clayton Christensen is, this is for, again, listeners who might not know, Clayton Christensen is, is the innovator's dilemma is what you're describing yes. here. And it's exactly this, the challenge, the book describes the challenge of why innovation is difficult in established organizations, which is exactly the uh, um, the, the the problem here that you're you're aiming at. Yes, exactly, exactly. So the natural audience here would be executives who at large organizations somewhere in the organization who who want to overcome these antibodies and and want to use techniques that shake them out of the um, linear growth they're used to and let them experiment. Is that right, or am I missing who you're trying to talk to? I think that's right. Um, I, it's also for practitioners. It's also for people who. Uh, are now in organizations and are trying to innovate and they're frustrated by their context. And, you know, oftentimes that frustration turns into just, uh, you know, griping about the politics or about the resistance of people or the culture or whatever. In fact, you can have some influence on that by, you know, first understanding the context and then uh, and then putting in place structures or devices or tools or whatever to overcome them. So what, what I would say is that the people who are resisting you are doing exactly the same things that you probably would do if you were uh, in their, sitting in their seat. You know, they, they've got their own uh, advantages and disadvantages. I mean, they've got their own objectives that they're trying to meet, and they've got their own pressures uh, that come from their management, and they are trying to uh, to respond to those. And many of them would like to help out, but if it makes them undermine their function or miss a key deliverable or something like that, they're at risk. So, the, the, yeah, I think that's great, and I would I would love maybe to pick up on that next time uh, and get into the. You have a chapter on graduated engagement, which I think is. Uh, all about this. I think it would be really useful for, for, for a lot of our listeners who want to understand the, the context they're in and the, and the kind of struggles going on. So I think that would be really uh, a, a great kind of next uh, uh, deep dive for, uh, for our audience. What do you think about that? Yeah. Would you be willing to come back next week, Jim? Sure. That sounds wonderful. Excellent. Well, really glad to hear about that. So uh, come back next week for sure. And you can find us uh, on Wednesdays, as always, uh, wherever you get your podcasts for Troubleshooting Agile. And of course, if you'd like to hear more, uh, have a look in the uh, show notes where you'll find Jim's uh, book linked. Uh, you can pre-order now. Is that right, Jim? 
Yeah, you can pre-order on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And I have a, a site for the book called leanstartup.biz. Fantastic. All right. So you can find Jim in lots of ways. And of course, you can also get in touch with us. That would be at agileconversations.com where you'll find our Twitter and email and carrier pigeon. I don't know what we've got on there anymore, um, but free videos, <laughs> information about us, sign up to our mailing list, all of that fun stuff. Uh, and, and of course, you can get in touch and tell us you, you disagree or you're having a challenge or you ask us some questions about getting started with a lean startup, whether that's in a startup or in a big organization. Thanks, Jim and Jeffrey. Thanks, Ron. Very good. Thank you.